Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie back with our weekly podcast. Hope everyone's doing fine. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that could be explosive in different ways, but the most explosiveness is probably inside that human being that we're going to be talking about, and that is the high school adolescent preteen adult person who's got a lot of hormones flying around, a brain that's growing, lots of life experiences, and trying to separate and build a outside life despite the fact that they may not have all the tools. So today we're going to be talking to a really wonderful, well-versed expert who you'll see. I don't even have to speak for her. She's really great. And uh, she'll be answering all of our questions, trying to help us understand how to survive our high school teenager and how to navigate them and help them to reach their full potential. So stay tuned, and we'll be talking to an expert. I just don't want to give the name yet. one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five. 767-4966. Every caller gets a free copy of my book, Side by Side, the Mother-Daughter Conflict Resolution book. Come on back. So, you know, we're back. We're talking high school teenagers and impulsivity, hormones, brains, growth, development, separation, individuation, all those kinds of things that are swirling around in our high school children. Some of them are age-appropriately high school from the emotional standpoint and the intellectual standpoint. And then there's those that are growing at different rates, as we all do. And so your emotional age, which is oftentimes I refer to as your EQ, your emotional quotient, is very different than the age of that person. So, for instance, if you have a 15-year-old child, you may have them that behaving closer to maybe a 12-year-old from an emotional standpoint. So really it's about knowing your child and how they are and how they cope and where they're at as far as their EQ and their IQ. But besides those kinds of things, we need to deal with the everyday life that they, they face, the hormonal influences on their brain and, and those effects on their mood and all of those kinds of things. Because whether they're 12 or 15 EQ-wise, from their age perspective, they're going through life experiences that are going to put pressure on them and, and going to expect different things of them, making decisions about life paths, where they're going to go to school or what kind of job they're going to get when they're done high school. Lots of pressure that we need to be able to help our teenagers deal with and how to balance things and how much sleep and how much sports and dating and all of those kinds of things. So we're going to be talking to a wonderful expert today who will get us up to speed and tell us what we need to know. So today we're talking about things that are really kind of everyday stuff for a lot of people. And I think oftentimes it must be tougher, and I find it to be tougher with a lot of the people I work with, if it's your first child, that you're going through all of these kinds of high school trials and tribulations and hormones and the convergence of a lot of stuff. So it's a tough time sometimes, but it could be a really very rewarding time. It's often the times that parents feel their children are really rebelling and, and out there doing things that they typically wouldn't want their children to do. But I think at the end of the day, the whole thing stems from the good, solid relationship that you build with your child from day one so that you know your child and you're able to build that relationship and you learn to trust your child even as they age into the teenage years and learn how to pull away from you, build their own life while they navigate feet in both of those worlds, the world with their family, the world with themselves and their friends, and then they make that transition. So it's, it's a bittersweet time, but it's a great time because seeing your child healthy emotionally and physically and growing and becoming a solid 
human being is there is no greater reward. So today we're going to be talking to our guest expert about a lot of the pitfalls, getting tools and techniques and ways to learn how to balance a lot of these issues from TV to school to college to dating, sex, all that kind of stuff. All right, so joining me today is Rosalind Weissman, um, wonderful internationally recognized expert on children, teens, parenting, bullying, social justice, ethical leadership, tons of stuff. But her book, Queen Bees and Wannabes, has been a trademark for the rest of the nation. And some of the stuff that she's done, owning up curriculum, a, a social justice program. I mean, I want to talk to you a lot about that, but I'd like to welcome you first, Rosalind. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be um, on your show. Thank you very much. So today we're talking about, for our listeners and, and people writing in, Helping your child survive high school. So, you know, it's that animal that we deal with, you know, hormones, teenager, breaking away, separation, all that kind of stuff. I mean, tell me some of the common things that you typically deal with in this population and what you hear parents struggling with. Sure. Well, I think it's hard for parents to differentiate between what's really a threat and what's really scary um, for their kids and what's not, what's just making us feel really anxious. Right. I think that, and kids are very, re- respond to that. And that whole thing about kids wanting to be, f- figure things out on their own, which they should, but also have it as a skill, knowing when to ask for help from parents or from other adults. I think is really critical because we often, and kids often think that asking for help is a sign of weakness and it's a sign of immaturity and a lack of being able to handle things on your own. And so what I try to do with kids is to say to them, actually asking for help is a, is a capacity, it's a skill. And we want you to be able to take care of things for yourself. And that includes knowing when you're over your head so you can get somebody else in who can really help you think through the problem. Right. Okay. So what you're saying is basically these are kids at a point in their life trying to separate and move on. And they may not want to reach for help because it feels weak and they want to be independent, but you're teaching them that that's actually a strength and becoming an adult is asking for help, too. Absolutely. But I also think that one of the things that happens is that parents, you know, very well-intentioned as we are, and I'm a parent as well, (laughs) is that we ask so many questions and we don't even listen to the answer that we, that the kids shut down. So one of the things I've been really thinking about and and writing about recently is we've been told, and experts like me have said, you know, go and talk to your kids in the car because they're trapped. Well, what happens though is that parents are asking so many questions, even before the kid actually even lands in the seat, that the kids are turning, they're tuning out. And so that's why they answer in monosyllables of like, yes, I'm fine, I'm fine, it's fine, it's fine. Because they're exhausted when they come back from school. And if you're home and if you are relatively emotionally sane and and safe (laughs) for your kid, your kid wants to get in the car and relax. And we're asking them 100 questions. (laughs) So that's the thing I've been really thinking about recently about how to fine tune that so we can can talk to our kids in the way that they want. And you get them at a time when they're going to talk. And be relaxed yeah. and that you got to be able to hear it and listen. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's, you know, it's really, a, it's, I mean, the, the kids I work with always make me laugh about this because they can imitate their mothers in particular right. really, really right. well. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, do you have any top issues? Like, do you hear parents saying, you know, my teenager, my daughter, my son, blah, 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 this is the biggest issue kind of thing you hear sure. a lot about? 
Well, I think, you know, a lot of parents are, are very, very concerned about bullying. And on the flip side, um, one of the things that's happening is, is a lot of teachers and, and principals feel like every conflict that's happening in school, parents are labeling as bullying. And, um, and that's not true, obviously. Right, right. Not every conflict is bullying. And, um, and then the other part is, is that people in high school especially for the most part, don't really relate. When they hear about bullying, they, you know, they think, oh, well, it's really sad if some really bad thing happens to a kid, but that's not something that I'm relating to. And so what I would like for people to think about is, like, forget about the word bullying and forget about if there's an epidemic or not. It's that, you know, conflict is inevitable in school right, right. and amongst people, and right. you have to learn how to be prepared for it. Right. And that's what we're doing is we're teaching children how to be prepared to handle um, conflict competently and to do it with dignity, like their dignity intact and the other person's dignity right. intact. Because, you know, I, I don't want to make this about totally about bullying, but it is a big issue for me because I think it's kind of like the word of the, of the season, bullying. Yes. And we focus so much on that that we're missing really what you just said, which is it's just a plain old conflict that's always been there and will always be there. Absolutely. And, you know, an abuse of power, bullying, you know, is going to be there. But it doesn't mean that kids can't handle it. Right. And it doesn't. And the other part is, is I think parents and adults often feel like, well, you know, the bullies are people that don't like each other or not friends. Right. And one of the things that's very complicated about this for kids is that the people who can be putting them down constantly are people that are in their friend group. And they don't necessarily want to stop being friends with this person. They just want the bad behavior to stop. Right. So and, all right. of that... Yeah, it just leads to kids not wanting to talk to their parents about what's going on. And the other part, I think, that I've been really thinking about in situations where there's serious conflict is that kids are so aware of how fine-tuned and anxious parents are about the topic of bullying that when they tell their parents, it could be a really bad situation, but what they do is they say to their parents, "Um, this kid's teasing me at school, and it sounds very general. Right. And the parent says, oh, well, you know, that's just the way boys are, or don't let them bother you. But if they knew, if the, if the kid had actually said to the parent, well, these are the 15 things that I'm dealing with every single day, then the parent would have a more, you know, a more substantive, hopefully, answer. They wouldn't just say, oh, you know, don't worry about right. it. So we've got sort of extremes going on between parents that I think makes it tricky. Yeah, and then, you know, you're, I'm sure I've, kids worry that their parents are going to go into some kind of hyper mode where they're going to march into school and create drama, get on the, the media, who knows what they're going to totally, do, and they totally. get Totally. They're terrified. Yeah. I mean, I, my kids say to me all the time, when I tell my parents, when I have to tell a parent or an adult something, I am extremely careful about who I tell, <laughs> because right. I'm going to tell the parent who's not going to freak out. Right. I'm, I'm not going to. And you, know, um, and you know what? It makes sense to me. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's about trust. Right. And so, yeah, you, know, you don't, as you said, you don't, like, why would you want to tell somebody a big problem that you're having, and the result of telling that person is that your problem gets completely out of control. That's not... Right, exactly. (laughs) That's not going to work, no matter how old you are. And that's another issue that I wanted to ask you. So what does a parent do when they come, the child comes home, says whatever, they're picking on me, they're bullying or whatever, but they Mm want to stay friends with these people, and you're worried that your kid isn't, your child isn't picking the right group of friends. How do you navigate that? Because you don't want to pull them away, but you also... Don't want yeah. to see them targeted. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I, so what I do, you know, I think it's pretty much inevitable that your kid's going to be connected to somebody in some way that you don't like. You know, boyfriend, girlfriend, a friend, whatever. You think it's a bad no, influence, no but matter, they're not treating you. No matter what, right? 
no matter what. I mean, I just okay. think that's just, you know, sort of the thing, one of the hundred countless confusing things that parents have to deal with. Um, but what I like to do is, um, and I do this with my own children too, is that I like to focus on the behavior that I'm not liking and not the person so that it doesn't become an issue where the kid feels that they have to have like this loyalty towards the kid or it becomes a battle of wills between you and your child. So what I say to my kid is, look, you know, this is what I've noticed. I could be completely wrong. This is why I disagree with it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, there's lots of people who could be behaving this way. I'm just telling you this is what I'm seeing, and I want to talk to you about it. Right. And then I think there's an expectation sometimes from parents that you're going to have this, like, very thorough conversation with your child so that at the end of it, your child is in agreement with you. You've had a conversation. It's not going to happen again. It's not, it just doesn't work like that, right? You just, you drop a seed. Like sometimes I think that it's cool, it's good, it's effective to let kids feel uncomfortable with what you've talked about and then say, hey, I'm not asking you to make any decisions right now. I just want you to think about it and then we're going to talk about it later. Yeah, I mean, you empower them a little bit to kind of handle their own feelings, see where they're going to go. And that's where you build a trusting relationship. Absolutely. In another year or two when they're driving and they have your car and it's 12 o'clock and you have that to fall back on a little bit. Absolutely. And actually, just on the 12, on that driving 12 o'clock thing, yeah. you know, I've, I've been writing, I'm writing this uh, book for boys, and I mean, it's not even near done yet, but I, I will say that um, I have, I cannot believe the lengths to which boys will put their friends in the trunk of the car to hide the yeah. amount of people that are in the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and we'll be talking to their parents, like completely like talking to their parents, full on conversation. There's three guys in the car and the parents think it's within the curfew and within the laws, right, of having a minimum amount of people in the car, maximum amount of people in the car. And there's like two guys all like, you know, in the <laughs> trunk. I mean, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, just, it's funny and it's not funny at the same time. Yeah, but it speaks. Yes. What do you think exactly. it says? I think it speaks to that your children feel like they want to do what they want to do that they don't really feel, this is one of the things I've also learned talking to, this has really honed in for me recently, is that boys and girls but um, feel like if they don't actually lie to you, then they haven't done something that's really, really unethical or bad. If they omit information from you or you can't figure it out, then that's sort of on you. So right. if you have a conversation, so they haven't lied technically to you as they're talking to you that there's, right. you know, right, that there's two boys in the trunk that they're hiding. They have omitted it, and that is a totally different ethical framework in their head. One is justifiable, and one and, and one that they can justifiably sort of hide from you, right. and one is actually unethical. So they're kind of evading you. Exactly, but evasion is not necessarily unethical right. in their mind. And so right? that's how they slip but, through. Exactly, which makes them very, very convincing when they're talking to you because they don't think they're technically doing anything wrong. So what do you do with that as a parent? <laughs> you open the trunk. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> open that trunk. You open the trunk, you're like, oh, just one second, I forgot something. Right. And you I'll get see my your shoes. child get super, oh, mom, 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 right? right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, I think at the end of the day, though, it still goes back to things like you're saying. You've got to really make a comfortable emotional safety for your child to be able to be themselves with you. Because if they're going to be in fear of you, they're going to sneak around. Absolutely. And, 
you know, I think that it's, um, you know, I do want parents, I want kids to feel this feeling of like, if I do this, whatever, this thing that's unethical, and my, my mom finds out about it, she is going to be so disappointed in me that I can't even, I can't even think about it. Like, I can't right. even, I don't even want to see that face, right? right? But if you go back to the moment in the trunk, you know, if you're, you know, it's 1130 at night, and you have a 16, 17 year old, and, or if it's 10 o'clock at night, and, you know, because some curfews, you know, end at new, uh, midnight, everybody's got to get out of the car. But, you know, if you, you know, some parents will get really angry in those situations if they find the kid has done this. And, you know, clearly the child has done something that's wrong. But at the same time, I think it's really important as a parent to recognize what's going on in the kid's head, which is there's huge motivation. And so you open the trunk and you say, hi, Mike. Hi, Dave. Are you you a little uncomfortable in there? Want some (laughs) breakfast? What, yeah, why don't, we come, why don't you come out? Like, why don't you come out? <laughs> Let's have a call. And I think the lesson is made. I think the lesson yeah. is made. Which, and the lesson is is that you are not a fool, and that's right. incredibly important that right. your sons and daughters know. Right, and it's and I think it's so important as you you focus on that because that's where the emotional safety and trust is going to come. That your son or daughter gets the message that you're not a fool. You right. know the tricks. You've probably done right. them yourself. That's where they right. learned them. But right. that you still have to check, and that safety in the checking also lets them know that they're loved and they can't pull nothing exactly. over. But you don't have to have a screaming match. Exactly. About, exactly. I think humor um, with kids goes when you catch them. I mean, I'm, and I'm talking about saying, obviously, I'm, there's things that you are not sure. laughing about. Absolutely. But in situations like that, because it's so easy for all this stuff to become a battle of wills. And then when it becomes a battle of wills, the content of the problem, the actual reason that you're angry at your son, you know, i.e. it's yeah. dangerous to have kids in the trunk, that um, it gets lost. And, you, and really the lesson is lost because it becomes a fight between the two of you. Yeah, it becomes an emotional focus instead of the, yeah. the content. Exactly. All right, so how, what advice do you give parents who really are not sure how to balance this, the lives of their teenagers from sports to classes to I want oh. to take AP classes to sure. you know free time and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Well, the, okay, so this is a really... Really, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question. It's, you know, it's easy to have a soundbite for it. Like, you know, we're overscheduled, so we need to stop doing it. Um, what I, I believe strongly is that, you know, kids need to follow their passions, right. and they do not need to follow the passions of their parents. I think that um, there is a very difficult moment that I, almost happens to everybody, even when you're following your passions, when you might want to give up. And this is where it gets really tricky, where the parent you know, if you're the kid's passionate about something and it is taking an, a lot of time away from everything else, or you know, making you extremely busy, that the kid goes through a phase of feeling like I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to, you know, play soccer. I don't want to do all of these things or travel as much. I think there's that moment with the parent of, well, do I push him or do I not? And exactly. you know, I tend to think that um, uh, that I like short-term goals with kids where you say to the child who's in that phase of maybe I want to give up, where you say, all right, let's just try this for 30 more days. And if you feel the same way in 30 days, then I want, then let's reevaluate and you can maybe change. Or maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. Like maybe the coach is doing something that, that your child hates but can't tell you because I don't want to disappoint you. Right, right. Um, one of the things that, and this connects back to bullying, one of the things I, I would really, really want parents to hear is that we get so proud of our kids when they're good, when they're good at things. I think one of the most um, socially dangerous and physically sometimes dangerous things for um, freshmen, ninth grade kids to do is to get on a varsity team. 
and um, and the parents are really excited because the kid made the varsity football team, baseball team, lacrosse team, softball team, whatever. But the social dynamics that are occurring on a, for, for a freshman on a varsity team are very problematic. Yeah, meaning I, they are they're going to see alcohol, drugs, right. sex much faster, and there's going to be pressure on them to do those things as well. And the kids aren't going to want to tell their parents. The freshman's not going to want to tell their parents because the parent is so excited about the fact that they made the cut. Yep, yep, yep. It's a lot of pressure. I've seen parents get so excited about these accomplishments, but they don't want to recognize or they can't think of the social implications of this. And, and the, I really want parents to feel, to remember that. Thank you for making that point. That's really very important. There are the other sides to these kinds of four time, you know, going four steps ahead of really the process. And just because mm-hmm. your your son or daughter has a skill, they may not be socially ready for the kinds of things that go with that level of skill. And you got to look at right. all of that. Absolutely. I mean, let's be real. Like, I'll be really concrete and maybe freak some parents out. Why your not? child makes, right, if your child is, um, a, you know, a freshman, a freshman boy and he makes the varsity lacrosse team or the varsity baseball or football team or soccer team, then he's going to be hanging out with those boys all the time. And those boys are probably going to have a group of girls that they hang out with and have sex with Absolutely. and drink with. And so that boy and the taboo of older girls hooking up with, meaning having sex with or doing something sexual with younger boys, that used to be a taboo. The older girls wouldn't do that. This generation of high school girls does not have that taboo. They will go and try and hook up with freshman boys, especially a boy who's a freshman who made it on that kind of a team. Exactly. So what should parents do if they're, they have this kid who wants to be a, you know, he's a varsity yeah. skill. You, right. They don't want to be intrusive. They don't want to be yeah. micromanaging and embarrass him or right. her, but you got to Well, here's watch. what I think. I think in the very beginning you say, hey, you know, this is an amazing thing and we're so proud of you that you, that you did this. You know, through hard work and, and through hard, you know, you're talented, but through hard work is how you got here. Because right. I, like, I want parents to focus on the hard work that the kid um, did to get the accomplishment, just because, not just because they innately got it. Yeah, because it's um, their strength. Their strength exactly. is noted. Right. Exactly. And then the second thing is to say, you know, you know, really, you know, this is wonderful, but at the same time, you're going to be in situations that are going to be where you're surrounded by older people. And so here's my expectations for you in that situation. And, you know, if you find yourself, you know, in a situation you even thought about, like, oh, you go to the movies with these guys and all of a sudden you're hanging out in someone's, you know, rec room right. and the parents are upstairs watching a movie and they're all 18, right? The, you know, so you have to think about these parents. These parents all have seen junior and senior boys, so they forget about this stuff. They Absolutely. don't treat Right. They don't think that they've got a group of freshmen down there. They've got a bunch of juniors and seniors. Right. So they go and watch a movie, and then there's an outside place for your kids to exit and enter you know, from the outside of the house. The kids invite other people down. The parents don't notice. So the, your freshman kid in that situation has an agreement. They're going to call you but you're going to meet them around the corner, right? You're not going to drive. You have to be very specific because the right. boys will freak out about this. So, yeah, I'm sure they will. I'll meet you around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other part is, is that you actually say to them um, for the, your freshman year, you're not going to be doing social activities with these kids that are not really that are not structured. Right. Um, you're not going to be going and doing hanging out, watching movies. You put very strict rules on their social interactions with the that, older boys, because those older boys can pressure that freshman kid into doing things that you just can't even imagine. Exactly. And so then do you support their so, social supports within their age group, the kids that they kind Absolutely. of hang with and go to school with? And you just build that more. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, recognize that the pressure, the pull to be with those cool older yeah, kids absolutely. is a big, big 
big deal. Are you open to taking a voice or a live caller with me? Yeah, of course. Okay. Heidi, are you there? Hi, I'm there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You're on with Rosalind and myself. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Thank you. I have a 12-year-old daughter who's starting middle school, so she's going from elementary to middle school, and she's quite an overachiever, likes to take all the classes, do all the extracurriculars, and I'm concerned that she just is going to be in for a rude awakening when she tries to do that at this next level, but I don't know how to really, you know, guide her in that, with that whole thing. What, what can, so are you, go ahead, Rosalind, you take uh, it. Are you worried that she's going to, what, what are you worried about, that she's going to fail oh. something, or what are you worried about? Uh, just, no, just that she's going to burn out. She doesn't, it's not like elementary school that she's mm-hmm. going to need to pace herself, and she doesn't have to do everything without well, kind of breaking her spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard well, part. You know, middle school, right, I mean, middle school, is, is she going to a middle school that's much bigger than her elementary school, too? It's bigger in the sense that it's going to be more grades, but the class size is generally the same. So it's similar, right, but, it's, but it's a bigger scale. It's a bigger school, right? Middle schools are usually Correct. significantly yeah. bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, here's what I would say. I would say to your daughter, let's pick the, the three things that are most important to you, and we'll see if you ha- how you handle them well. And how you handle them, and if you're feeling like you can add more things, then we can do that. But let's have her prioritize in the very beginning what she'd like to focus on, so that you're incrementally giving her the ability to um, develop competency on, in managing and balancing. And if she can handle it, then she can add something else. That's great. Okay. And, and how about socially? Do you worry about her? Um, I worry about her less socially, although I think it'll probably change when she starts school, but she seems like she's pretty grounded socially, so I don't know. But it's also going to be different because she's going to be placed in classrooms with older kids going forward. So right. it's not just going to be her age group. So that is a little bit of a concern as to how to really, you know, it's kind of what you guys were talking about before about being a freshman but being on a varsity team. Right. You know, she's going to be a seventh grader being with eighth graders and potentially ninth graders. So it is, you know, how do I let her know that maybe – yeah, you have classes with them, but we're not going to be hanging out socially mm-hmm. the same way you would with your grades. Well, I, I sometimes actually have a little bit of a different, the pressure of um, hanging out with kids that are in classes that are older um, are less concerned to me than the kind of social pressure dynamics that go on amongst teams because there's so much unstructured time with teams or, t- or there's, tr- there's times where adults are not necessarily around the kids. Yeah. Um, so with classes, if your child is in like a, a, you know, in an accelerated program, then is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. It's not that the kids in accelerated programs don't have, can't do some of the things that I just said because they really can. But I, I tend to think that when kids are in classes that it limits, it can limit, um, or it's easy to do this way a different way. It's easier to have um, strong relationships with kids her own age while she's having those accelerated classes. Right. That makes sense. Thank you for your help. Okay, Have a absolutely. Yeah. See, I think, you know, Rosalind, it's interesting because we were just talking about that, and I think a lot of parents hear it, but they don't ever really get it till it's actually happening to them. Oh, sure. And then, <laughs> That's definitely something I've experienced myself. <laughs> and then to be able to kind of then take the info and really integrate it into your own life. Because it's scary. You, you, you know, you get emotional. They're your children and you have your own reaction to them. So you're not hearing and reading what the book said and integrating it necessarily. 
that's why it's so important to have somebody in your, as a parent, that you can bounce your anxiety off of. Because, you know, when my kids are going through problems, it takes me, you know, the first few minutes I re- respond just like I talk about every other parent, you know, so many other parents where you're like, oh, my gosh, you think of the worst possible things, like your child will end up in jail or, like, some kind of hospital somewhere. I mean, something horrible. You always think of something horrible. Absolutely. And then, it, you know, it takes you a few minutes to just breathe and say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on a second. <laughs> and, then, right. and, you can think, and then you can think through it clearly, but you need, I mean, I really need somebody, you know, who I can say, am I crazy about right. this? Am I being anxious? Or right. am I being, you know, am exactly. I, am I, do I have something here to think about? Right. I, I mean, I do the same thing with my own child. So, I mean, it's good that you have that check-in point and you're able to unhook from it and become a parent. Two questions for you before we do a voicemail. One is, what would you say to a parent is the age you're comfortable from a daughter, if you have a daughter, to allow dating? Ooh. Well, I mean, okay. So, dating for you know, there's there's lots of different definitions of these kinds of words. And dating is that you are publicly exclusive with someone, right? In, in comparison right. to hooking up, right? Which right. could be all different kinds of things of some kind of sexual behavior. Right. Um, so I think you really need to differentiate between both, by the way. Okay. Um, because you need to really talk to her in a more sort of sex, you know, education, your boundaries, your personal boundaries, what do you feel comfortable doing with somebody, what do you not feel comfortable doing with somebody, um, I think starting at about 12 okay. um, at, the, at the latest. Even, and I think that's also your – and I'm prefacing that by, by saying that before that, of course, you're talking to her and, and your sons about, you know, sexually educating them about puberty and sexual um, behavior and stuff like that. So yeah. It is appropriate for their age range. And then dating is really about the relationship. And the thing that I think that's, that in working with young people that I am I'm always the most concerned about is their understanding of jealousy and mm-hmm. what are the sort of rights that a person has to be jealous. And when they're angry at you, how do they communicate that? And so what are the personal boundaries that you need to have about somebody when they're angry at you? What is, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable to take from other people? especially when you're in a relationship. And I want to be really clear with parents to not dismiss their children's relationships as, oh, it doesn't matter, it's just you're a teenager, you'll never, you know, it doesn't matter, you're not going to marry the person anyway, so who cares. These children learn their patterns of relationships right. at, at, their first, at their first relationships. They're yeah. actually extraordinarily important. So do not dismiss them. And way too many parents dismiss their children's relationships. And then really be able to focus for them on what are your personal boundaries with somebody. So when somebody's mad at you that, that likes you, that's in a relationship with you, what do they, how, do, how should they talk to you about that? What is unacceptable, right? How often, are they, how often are they allowed to say who are they allowed to say who and who you're not allowed to hang out with? How often do they get to check in on you by text? Um, those are the kinds of things that kids need as far as boundaries so that they, when they date somebody, however old they are, they have sort of the foundation for a healthy relationship. Exactly. But it is something that has to be spoken about because there is a difference between Absolutely. the relationship piece and the physical sex piece. And, and really, if you don't do that in a very thought out manner, you could throw off for your child the ability to have sex within an intimate relationship. Yes, and I, I see that all the time. Where if okay. it, you know, if there's not abuse or neglect really that went on, that kids don't oftentimes have those two concepts integrated into one relationship, and then monogamy is difficult. 
a lot of things can go awry in that whole process. So thinking through it and, and really getting yourself versed is the key. All right, let's do a voicemail. Hold on. Okay. Hi, Dr. Sophie. This is Rory uh, in Beverly Hills. I wanted a little guidance uh, when it comes to my son, who is going into his freshman year uh, of high school. I know that when I was in high school, I hung out with a pretty good group, group of friends, but there were some people that I hung out with who were kind of troublemakers. And if my son's anything like me, I'm sure that he he has some friends who are like that too, and I know his friends. And I'm just wondering how I can be a positive influence uh, in terms of helping him to choose the right people to hang out with without seeming like I'm being overbearing or trying to take over his life. Thanks. Take it away, Rosalind. Well, I mean, he's got a lot of it already done because he knows the, he knows the deal, right? He right. knows that um, you know I don't yeah, that I, that he doesn't come across as if he's overbearing and taking over his life. I mean, that's more than half the battle. I mean, I I think it goes back to there's a fine there's a very delicate line for parents about sharing with their kids what their past experiences were. Because you do need to recognize that your child is different than you, right? You're right. different you, than you are. You are different people. <laughs> and when you're talking to your kids about your own personal experiences, I would say, you know, first of all, it's where you say it. So I would go out with the kids somewhere so you're doing something else. Um, not necessarily, I mean, you can be in the car, like I said before, but right. be careful about that. I mean, I like, you know, boy or girl, I like doing things with, I have, like many people, of course, have the best conversations when we're doing something else, like hiking or walking or walking the dog, things like that. So I would do this conversation in that kind of a scenario. And okay. then um, I would say, hey, you know, I just, I've been thinking about it because you're getting older, and so you're going to have, you know, as you get older, things get more complicated. And, you know, when I was your age, I had a couple friends who, you know, would choose your words. Like, you know, I w well, I wouldn't say made bad choices because that's like adult speak. I would say something like, you know, they really, they, they really messed up or like I really got messed up or dragged down into their, into their trouble too. And, yeah. like, and, I just want, and I just want you to know that if that ever happens to you, I know you're different than me. I know these people are different than me. I know than my friends, but you and I can talk about that and we can think through what to do about it. And then I would leave it. And see where it sits and how it lays. Exactly. Because I think we really expect our, you know, sometimes our kids will say, oh my gosh, dad, thank you so much for bringing this, you know, thank you, dad, and then give you all this information. But that can't be the expectation. You can't walk into it thinking that that's what's going to happen or you'll be right. disappointed like you failed. You haven't failed. The goal is to be able to say to your kid, I see you, I know, I'm recognizing that you're getting older, I know you're different than me, but I also know that I've got some wisdom that maybe I can share with you. And so those two things are equally important. You're different than me, but I know that maybe there's some things that maybe we can talk about. So I'm opening the door for you that when you're ready to talk about it, I'm right here. I think that's absolutely right on. So, I mean, these are not out of the ordinary things when you hear them, are they? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Every day. <laughs> Everyday things. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And it even, oh ha and it even yeah. happens it even happens to people like us. Oh, my gosh. I've got a conversation I am preparing in my head with my 11-year-old right now. About? Well, um, I have the complication, or he, both of us, have the complication of he's 11, but he's, he looks much older than he is. He looks like he's 14 or 15. And uh -huh. uh, so he's tall. He, um, and so my concern is, just like actually when I talked about it a little bit earlier, is that when you have kids who are younger in middle school, 
they want to be with older kids, and older kids and older girls can be more attracted to them. And so I need to talk to him about what it's like to be in middle school, because that's where he's going for the first time. Um, you know, he's going to be in middle school, and he looks like he's in eighth grade. And I need to talk to him about, you know, what happens when he's in situations that are not appropriate for him. Got it. Are you, how do you feel as a parent? Oh, it's so hard, right? Because, I mean, Mike, he's actually quite shy, and he's very embarrassed to talk to me about these kinds of things. And he doesn't want to talk to me about these things at all. And so um, I have to be really, so we're going to have to go out for a hike or a walk with a dog. And I'm going to have to say something like, hey, and I I mean, this is what I will do. I'll say, but I've been thinking about it a lot the last couple of days of, you know, schools coming up and, you know, people do think you're 14 or 15 and you're not. You know, and, and that can be, it can be really hard sometimes. So if you don't feel comfortable talking to me about it, which I totally understand because I'm your mom, and it's worse because I do these things for a living. So, yes. like, you don't need to talk to me about this, but you do need to talk to somebody. And so we need to come up with somebody, your dad or someone else, that you feel comfortable talking to um, so that I know that your needs are getting met and you know that I'm not invading your entire life. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a balance, isn't it? You got yes. you got to turn off the other one side of you and just allow your parent side to reach itself exactly. out. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you at these days? What are you doing? Queen Bees is still buzzing around. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I just moved um, from Washington, D.C., where I was born and raised, and I just moved to Boulder, Colorado, ah. which I'm enjoying very much. You know, it's uncomfortable because it's a new place, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm happy I'm here. Good. And I'm writing. Um, I'm still doing the professional development w- training I do um, all over, but I'm also working on a book. I'm doing three books right now wow. on boys. So I'm doing a book for boys about parent for parents, like Queen Bees was, and for people who work with boys. And I'm working, and then I'm writing a book for the boys themselves, um, high school boys, and I'm writing a book for boys between in middle school between 10 and 14. And the thing that's really the key to the success of this, which I hope it will be, but if it is, it's because I have about 120 boys who are helping me edit the book. Oh, that's great. They look at every single thing I write and tell me if I'm out of my mind, if I'm good, if it's good, if it's bad, what we need to add, and that's, um, that's, that's where the book is getting good. Yeah, because that's what's going to be reading it. Yeah, and, um, you know, they see things there... It's they they've just been it's just an extraordinary group of boys around the country who are uh, reading by the way because most people think boys don't That's read right. um, reading and paying very close attention to what I'm writing and are very invested in what we're doing and have said to me that you know they really feel that there's that they're that they want the opportunity to tell adults what it's like to be them. That's so great. You're yeah, helping us so much. It really is oh. great. You're changing the world, Rosalind Weissman. Oh, thank you, Dr. Sophie. Thank you That's very quite, much. Quite, thank you. Really, it, it is an honor to have you on, and we'll have you back, and um, we can find you on your website, right? Yes, it's just my name. It's rosalindweisman.com, or we'll Facebook and Twitter and all that. I'm going to tweet you as soon as we get off of here. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Enjoy your okay. new home. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Sophie. Take care. You too. Joining me was Rosalind Wiseman. She's a internationally recognized expert on children of everything, bullying, social justice, parenting, ethical leadership, lots of great stuff. So you got to get her on her website. She is RosalindWeissman.com. And all her books are there, Queen Bees and Wannabes, and her other new ones coming out. She has some 
others that are already up and out. She has a great curriculum she's putting together or has put together for comprehensive social justice. Just an all-around really great person who is changing the world as we speak. And we talked a lot today about helping your child survive high school, adolescence, making decisions, balancing school, work, fun, your child's integration into things that are maybe socially not appropriate, but because they have a skill and they're on a higher team, maybe a varsity team, how to handle that exposure to social things that your child isn't ready for, all different kinds of ways to balance and great resources. So I want to thank everyone for listening, my callers for today's show. I want to remind you all that every podcast is available on my website at www.drsophie.com www.drsophie.com. You can always call me at 1-855-767-4966 or 1-855-SOPHIE-NOW, 1-855-767-4966. My book, Side by Side, the Mother-Daughter Conflict Resolution book is always available and who doesn't need that? Please follow me on Twitter and Facebook for any updates or anything that's going on that you need to know and visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up and most importantly, don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. You gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down.